the banks of the Great River, high above the Allure Gorge. This is the Buzzer Podcast. Indie music, new releases, industry insiders, out-of-the-box conversations with guests from the true north, from the west coast to the east coast, to across the pond, and from down under. And now, here is Shay. Hey, y'all. I am Shay. This is the Buzzer Podcast. Independent music releases, global coverage, on-air indie. From iPad to yours, over the airwaves. Welcome and enjoy. The top four episodes of Season 1 air this week. These are the top four of the Season 1 shows with leading fan engagement, subscribes, and download count. Tonight, Mongrel Dogs from London, United Kingdom is on the show. The original broadcast aired March 23rd. Season 2 starts October the 4th. Enjoy the show. Today, Mongrel Dogs join us. The Mongrel Dogs are an original rock band from London, UK, formed in 2015 and comprising members from all around the globe. The band explores several rock subgenres, blues, hard rock, punk, psychedelic, and classic rock without being defined by one in particular. Their songwriting reflects the lifestyles they lead as young artists living in the big city, nightlife, relationships, and personal experiences. Today, Alvaro Alonso, who does guitars for the band, and Louis Vetch, the drummer, join us. Today we have rock band Mongrel Dogs from London, UK, um, and today we have members of the band Alvaro and Jonathan. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? Hi, Shay. How are you doing? Oh, good. Real snowy out here in Canada. But other than that, <laughs> I'm one of these people that should have been born in uh, Brazil. I guess that Alvaro was is from Brazil. Uh, I'm from Mexico, but Gustavo, oh, yeah, from Mexico. Gustavo is the one from Brazil. He's the one that got all the sun with him. Ah, what? We have a family member uh, from Mexico. Uh, yeah. so, it's a beautiful country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I miss it uh, every day. Yeah, I don't blame you. I see pictures. I <laughs> Anyways, so thank you for coming on uh, the podcast. It's really great. Love your sound. Uh, genre defying. Like, uh, you can't pin what you're doing. I've been watching you guys on Facebook. Uh, uh, you happen to do a cool cover on The Doors, which is one of my favorite bands. I loved it. You did really well. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, that's that's it. You liked it. Yeah, no, I love it. Actually, I was blown away. You do Blondie, Nirvana, and you're good at all of them. So I was really impressed. But we're here to talk about your original music. Uh, so, what started you in the music industry? Like, what made you want to be a musician? I'll let you go first, Al. Why don't you answer that one? Uh, thank you, JP. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Shay, for. Um, listening to our covers that we're, we're putting a lot of effort trying to entertain people uh, for now that we cannot play any live gigs at the moment and that's our challenge so I'm really happy that you're liking them um, thank you and <laughs> well I don't know I've always been um, quite of like 
obsessed with music since I can remember. Like music is always something that's been around me. And uh, I think uh, when I started learning to play guitar, it just became a way uh, for me to be able to express myself. And I just really liked it and decided I want to like uh, be able to express myself to other people on stage and just make some noise. When did you pick up the guitar? Um, I think I was around like 14 years old. That's, uh, that's a good age. <laughs> you, yeah, Who was, would you consider uh, someone in terms of the best, if you could say? Eddie Van Halen, Jimi Hendrix? Uh, yeah, well, Eddie Van Halen definitely is probably one of the best guitarists that ever existed. Uh, his technique was just amazing. Uh, but I am more influenced, uh, I would say, probably from the school of like Jimi Hendrix or even John Frusciante. Uh, they, to me, they speak a little bit more in their like the way they play guitar. Talks to me yeah. a bit more. Uh, Jack White is also a massive influence for me. And how are they different? Uh, well, I think that at least uh, in my opinion, I feel like they were more focused on expressing themselves without having to be technically perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I really like uh, because to me, rock and roll should be, shouldn't be perfect 100%. It should be sloppy sometimes. And I think that John Frusciante and Jimi Hendrix are very good at it. Like they prefer feeling and expression over technicality. And to me, John Frusciante can say, everything he has to say with a couple of notes without having to be like the, the hardest solo to play. And that's something that has always like, uh, it always grabbed me. That's a very, really cool explanation. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I like that. I actually just had an artist on that show. Uh, he airs tomorrow night and he has classical influences in his music. Versus the uh, legacy guitarists. So uh, it's pretty cool to hear that. And what about you, Jonathan? Uh, so for me, I started probably about the same age as Al, to be fair. I think I started at maybe, yeah, 13 or 14, like first year of um, junior high school. And it was the guitar. I actually wanted to play sax, first of all, but uh, they already had a sax player in the school band. So guitar it was in the end and um I guess I always sung as well just like growing up in the car with dad and that sort of thing and um it just kind of turned into something that I decided one day I wanted to do properly you know rather than just a little hobby I guess and so here I am in London <laughs> a few years later um making a go of it pretty much yeah. and what about you in terms of uh, the influence on your guitar um, I think the guitar, like I was never the best guitarist at school. I, I went to school with some very talented kids. So I learned pretty early on that I wasn't going to be this phenomenal lead guitarist. So I started to focus more on like the singer songwriter mm-hmm. kind of angle, I guess. Um, I mean, for me, one of my heroes would be Bernard Fanning from Powderfinger. He's a Australian artist, uh, Australian singer. Um, and he's just very talented in that sense. Like, I love his melodies and he's always very comfortable playing and singing when he does. Um, and then he kind of skirts into the 
boundaries of being a front man as well because he just puts the guitar down and just jumps around and has a good old time so I think that's kind of where I took a lot of influence early on. Well, I definitely see why you would focus on your vocals. Uh, um, your vocals are very strong, um, enjoyable to hear. Thank you. So what was your background growing up? Were you from a musical background? Like who introduced it to you or did you just suddenly pick up an interest in music? Um, I think, I mean, I grew up in a, musical house in terms of there was always music playing but I don't think anyone in my family was ever really properly classically trained in any way. Mum played the flute a bit growing up but that was sort of it but um, I always had a pretty good ear uh, you know I played a little bit of piano when I was much younger as well and never really you know followed the notation I always learned all the songs by ear um, and I used to frustrate the heart of all my teachers but um, yeah, I, I just kind of, when I got to about 13, 14, I picked up the guitar and started doing lessons. I just kind of lent into that a little bit, I guess, and, and still learned a lot of stuff from Ian. And it's only in more recent times that I've gotten a, like much more clued in with the theory and that sort of thing. But um, it was always just about the enjoyment of it for me. And so long as I was enjoying it, I wanted to do more of it. And I just did. I, you know, it became really sort of became a core part of my life and has continued to be. Hey, um, you are Um Well, I think it's almost a very similar story to JP, actually. Um, my family has always been into music. Uh, my dad, from a very early age, he was like almost forcing me to listen to the Beatles or uh, Led Zeppelin and, and like, since I remember, I've known like most of the songs um, and they've always been very musical. I, I have an uncle that used to play guitar in a band as well. And I think when I started picking up the guitar, uh, he was probably my first guitar hero when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, and then he was the one that was like giving me some tips at the beginning when I was starting. He was in a band as well. And then I guess that's when it kind of clicked on me probably unconsciously that I also wanted to be in a band and like play my own songs. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about the band. One thing that I find really unique and cool about your band is you have an Aussie, you have somebody from Brazil, a Mexico and Scotland. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like a joke about someone going into a yeah. bar. <laughs> United Nations rock band. <laughs> and now, how did that happen? Like, how did you guys meet in four? <laughs> well, I'll let you tell the first part of the story, Al. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jenna. Um, <laughs> um, well, I think it has to do with the fact that we all came to London to play music in a way or another. And London is a very multicultural city. Um, it's very similar, I would say, with some of like, well, it's a big city. It's one of the biggest cities in Europe. So you have people coming from all over. Um, it doesn't really matter where are they from and people like you end up playing music with a lot of different people from different backgrounds um it, it all started and also probably thanks to the age of the internet that helps you connect with whoever you're looking forward to have a jam with uh i started playing covers in a in a cover band with goose um and then we decided we wanted to to make a band of original songs 
uh, years later, we met Lewis, um, putting an ad also on the internet uh, in his throughout the portal of his music school. And then at the same time, uh, when we started looking for someone that could properly sing, um, we came across Jono. Uh, the same thing, like in an ad on the internet. That's cool. A lot of bands have formed uh, with adverts. A lot of bands. Joan Jett, yeah. The Blackbirds, uh, Kiss. A lot of them. Yeah. 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 A lot of them. Metallica. Yeah. Motley Crue. Yeah. There's a list of them. I don't have them all on my head, but um, I have seen that. And your songs are, are definitely reflective of your the band's lifestyle and your youth, actually. Um, so oh, the big city nightlife and your personal experiences and that. Um, one of the tracks we're featuring uh, that will be played upcoming is Le Shop. Uh, it's a funky tune. It's not so hard as your other tracks. So I listen to all your music. Uh, talk about the song. I want to know about it. So um, I guess what you're probably hearing with the, the soft influence probably me there to be honest um, <laughs> just because yeah just because uh that was the first track that i properly wrote from the ground up with the band um we do have another song coming out that's kind of the, the ab single release to it that's sort of counter to it so very much back on on track in terms of being a bit heavier and a bit louder and everything but that song was yeah i i, I definitely agree it's, it's a bit softer um it it came from a, an old riff that I'd been playing around for years and years. Um, and I kind of just took it around with the, the world with me, really, and couldn't quite find what I wanted to actually make the song about. And then I kind of got to London and had, had a bit of a rough time traveling and had a bad breakup and all those sorts of things. And uh, I met my old flatmate. We became really good friends. And then I figured. You know, why write a song about this girl that I split up with when I could write a, a nice song for my flatmate and make it about that, you know, make it more about friendship and kind of leaning on each other and that sort of thing. Um, and that's kind of how that song was born, I suppose. I well, took it to the band and, and it turned into something more. So, yeah. well, well, the name is The Cat in English. Yes. Yeah. So was, was her name Catherine? No, no. Uh, her name's Manon. But, that's a good guess. Though. But yeah, no, that's that's pretty good actually. Good guess. But uh, no, her name's Manon. But she's just very feline, I would say, as as a person. She's just oh, some, okay. some people em, em, embody certain animals and certain characteristics, and I would just say that she's very feline. And so I just that became a nickname. Basically, I just called her Cat. Um, and she's French as well, so hence the the title being in French. That's pretty cool. <laughs> No, I would have yeah. thought it was uh, uh, after a, a cat. Uh, uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. I have a daughter that's uh, named Cat. Actually, too, a stepdaughter also named Cat. So <laughs> uh, they're both daughters. Yeah, that's why I, first, I went to that. So uh, that's the backstory. You guys have had a lot of coverage on it. Um, can you talk about uh, some of the reviews that you've had on the song? Um, uh, well, I think. People were happy to to listen to something that sounds a bit more um, evolved. I would say it definitely shows uh, how the band can now start making more like start being more multifacetic in a way, rather than 
just playing some uh, old, <laughs> well, not, not old, but like some old school rock and roll, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we've received really good reviews uh, from the song, thankfully. We're really happy with that. It's our most successful release to date as well in terms of uh, streams and views. We've all gotten like really nice comments and like we definitely can't wait to play it live. <laughs> We're going to listen to the shout up next.
Well, I really enjoyed the song. It's it's really, uh, and it's different to other tracks. Uh, so I really like it. Um, I have read all the reviews that have been out there. Thank you. Um, one thing that's consistent is uh, you've been given the, uh, I guess, the moniker as a very energetic onstage presence, that your live gigs are good. Uh, we do want people to, to remember when they come to see us, definitely. Uh, we really are from the point of view that like you need to put on a show if people are paying a ticket to go see us. You need to make it memorable. You need to make uh, it. You need to make it worth it for them to um, to come and also to come back and also have a good time. Well, you definitely have yeah. notoriety in the London rock circuit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I guess we figure like if if you don't dance and move around, how can you expect the audience to? You know, if you're not having fun up there, no one else is going to have any fun. Really, you kind of set exactly. the time, don't you? Yeah, you've also played at uh, uh, pretty uh, popular venues: um, Borderline, Camden, ninety-three feet east, as the Monarch, the Big Red. Which one is the one you like to play at the most? Or do you have any stories from one of those venues? Um, well, there is this one place called the Dublin Castle in, in Camden, which is not the most notorious place to play at, but we've never left that place sober. So we've always had a good time in that place. And it's quite, it's got some rock and roll history as well. That's where Amy Winehouse used to do her gigs. Arctic Monkeys played there a couple of times. It's a really cool place to play. Um, we've played also, um, like Borderline is, one of the biggest venues we played so far, and that was a, a really, really fun gig. Um, but to me, probably my favorite one was uh, the the gig when we released our previous singles, which was our last gig. Uh, that was definitely one of my favorite ones. Uh, I had a really good time. And that was at Borderline? Uh, that was uh, in a place called The Gallery. The Gallery. In, in North London, um, which was... Uh, it was really really cool to play there why so uh well it was just a very festive environment we were just releasing some singles um and people were really up for it uh i think it was like the best kind of mood to play and also because it was the last gig it's probably the one that makes it like more like nostalgic in a way yeah not a whole lot of gigging going on right now. Not at all. Yeah, unfortunately. No, definitely not. So uh, Camden actually is well known for quite a active music scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's got a lot of uh, uh, a lot of history. Uh, it was the birthplace of punk rock in the seventies, and also a lot of indie rock going on. In the 2000s, it's a really cool place. If you ever come to London, we'll take you for a drink in Camden. Oh, I definitely. Why do you think I'm asking about all these things? Yeah, I always have a pint. <laughs> but uh, I, I like to know, you know, because uh, it's good. To, it's good to hear because um, one thing I hate, I don't like to travel and do the tourist thing. I don't. I, I like to go where the locals hang out, and I like to know. 
that. That's the way yeah. to that's the way to travel. When I do travel, I'm not really a traveler, so don't like I I won't show up at your front door, Obero. <laughs> What about your influences? Like your sound is really heavy. Um, I wouldn't say it's heavily influenced, but I get I get the seventies feel. Um, as a seventies sound, but it's uh, completely unique. And you guys go, uh, okay. there's no. Uh, you can't really put you in any genre, even though you are rock which I would just say you're rock, but you have a lot of flexibility in your sound and um, uh, being able to put great music out regardless. Um, you must have 70s influences. I, yeah, I think we all worship that era for sure, but I think we're, we're all quite disparate in the bands that we like, and then we have overlaps as well. So like, I mean, for me, one of my idols is uh, like In Excess and, and Michael Hutchins and that sort of thing. So I like to try and incorporate that where I can. And then I know Al, like, I'll let you speak for yourself, mate, but for sure, big fan of Queens of the Stone Age and that sort of thing. I think that kind of ripples on through at times. And, you know, Gustavo's mad about the Foo Fighters. Lewis listens to absolutely everything. I've never met someone with such an eclectic taste in music. So I think we're, because we're quite well uh, listened and broadly listened as well, it kind of, like, I think we can't help but be a bit eclectic in the music that we that we make, you know? It just kind of naturally happens. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how you say that because I think that we all have our different influences, but we can all agree that 70s rock has definitely made an impact in us, on us as well as all the other bands like, for example, Led Zeppelin, um, oh, yeah. Black Sabbath, all those bands uh, from that time. Cream. Oh wow, I love that you said Cream. Uh, for example, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Lewis yeah. is a very big Ginger Baker fan as a drummer. <laughs> um, so we have very diverse. Uh, I would say modern influences, but we all agree on a lot of 70s bands. And I think that's what makes the band so diverse and so special, but yeah. at the same time so grounded. Is that we we have a lot of variety in our influences, but we we have a lot of similarities as well, I would I think. Well, I think that's uh, prob that probably is the reason uh, that your music is... Uh considered and actually it's been in a lot of your roots uh genre defying uh, because of all these different influences and, but i I can't, I can't say any band that's in rock hasn't had uh any of those legacy bands affect them but um not often do you see all those influences come into a band's music and you definitely have been successful doing that um do you know that uh, the reason I launched the podcast on January 12th? Do you know the reason? Mm, no, I can't say I do. Do you know why? Uh, the reason I did is there was a UK band that uh, produced and recorded a, uh EP, their first EP. It was paid for by the lead um, uh, and the manager. Yet it was released in the U.S. under label, and it was uh, released in January 12, 1969, 
by none other, none other than Led Zeppelin. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, was a, nice. that was the day the show launched. Yeah, I was, I had to do it, yeah. you know. Anybody that follows music has to do something to honor the gods, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah so uh, what about uh, the, the next track that we're going to hear uh, is a bit happier. Uh, very great. I love the drums, uh, the guitar, uh, and vocals. Uh, Pursuits. It's, it's a strong song overall. Um, what's that <laughs> song about? Um, well, that song, uh, I think it it's kind of about a, a breakup. <laughs> Another one? Are you guys <laughs> lover boys? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who's breakup this uh, time? It's a sad boy song. No, it's, oh, okay. it's not a sad song, but I think it's almost mine. <laughs> um, well, I guess it's just about the feeling uh, when something ends and you, it, it's about the frustration that you get when uh, something yeah. you're trying to keep um, kind of falls down and combined with a couple of drinks, you know, nights out. Uh, I, I guess it's about trying to cope with the things that you cannot change. Uh, I guess that's how I would nicely put it. <laughs> avoidance. And it a, a involves lot a lot of... Um, avoidance. Avoidance behaviors, yes. Avoidance. Escapism, shall we say. <laughs> Parting. Avoidance. <laughs> avoidance. <laughs> 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 is that why you chose to make the track heavy? Uh, I guess so, yeah. It, it's a bit of an angry track. Uh, and I think it's also a bit um, kind of conscious of itself. And I guess it's a bit of like uh, just overall frustration, I guess. Wow. I like the track. Has it been getting strong reviews? I would assume it would. Um. Yeah, well, it's one of... The uh, our favorite songs to play live, and it definitely got some attention once uh, once it came out. Uh, people people were liking it, so yeah, it's one of my favorites. We're gonna listen to it now. So up now, pursuit.
so that song came out in November tw- uh, 2019. Um, and as I said before, Les Shack came out uh, just recently, last November. Um, why was there a gap in making music? Were you band going through some changes or were you just writing? I think we're going through a period of just sort of heavy writing, to be honest, and we're, we're kind of still in that at the moment. We've got yeah. a load of songs, uh, if not finished, uh, very close to being finished, and then a whole nother set in the works. So, um, I mean, lockdown's been amazing for that. Really, that's that's one thing I'll say that's that's been really good is that we've been able to focus on writing, and um, and just kind of building yeah. up the social content and that sort of thing, as you would have seen with the covers in in a way that I don't know that we would have otherwise. You know, like when when the world's normal and, and you're gigging all the time, you don't always have time for these sorts of things. So it's been nice that we've created this foundation um, while we can. But yeah, it was. Definitely. And also, uh, as soon as we released the the previous singles is when lockdowns started happening around the world. And uh, we had actually planned to try to start playing outside London just to to get like a bigger um, kind of like following around the UK. And then uh, COVID hit and we had to stay at home. And like we used that time to write songs and finish Le Chat and mm-hmm. the single that is coming after. Um, but definitely that that made an impact because we could not go back to the studio until mid-2020. So even if mm-hmm. we had these songs already written probably before the pandemic hit, we couldn't really hit the studio um, until mid-last year. Yeah, it took, took the wind out in that bit. <laughs> you record this... Uh, uh at the studio the secret warehouse the sound yeah shout out to muka <laughs> he's good value yeah muka <laughs> he's he's one of my favorites man i love him yeah, we're, we're yeah he's muka, great definitely. yeah he's great and he has such a passion for music he does anyone that makes it yeah. so he's a very passionate yeah very talented <laughs> What's your creative process like? like? Is there one of the band members, like Jonathan, do you write most of them, or Vera, or is it a collaboration between the band? Like, how do these songs come about? So I think there's been a bit of an, a sort of change and evolution in the way that we've done things. Like for the show, I kind of had a lot of the core of that, and then we worked on it collaboratively as a band. And then, um, you know, for some of the other songs, like uh, the next release that we've got coming out, that was, uh, I think, probably a bit more collaborative. And then the newer songs that we're working on now, this next batch, it's been, you know, someone will bring a riff and we'll, we'll build on that or, you know, someone will have a lyric or whatever, you know, it's kind of been that sort of thing. I think it's 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 nice because we're, we're getting much better, I think, uh, at just writing all together. Yeah, definitely. And so I think we're, we're going to end up with a much more cohesive sound coming out of that as well, uh, which can only be a good thing. Yeah. I think we are in a constant pursuit of um, of finding our own sounds as trying to evolve it. And sometimes it like every song has a very different uh, process. Sometimes uh, Jono writes a guitar riff and I absolutely destroy it and turn it into something different that becomes a song. 
uh, sometime uh, we just jam in the studio and suddenly we have a couple of riffs that we use in different songs. So the writing process is very different. Like we just, one person brings a little seed and then between everyone just turns it into what we think is a song. And I that I find that process really interesting and I, I really love it how it, it never ends up how it arrived to the studio, if you can say that. Yeah, very true. That's interesting. So what do you feel is the industry outlook for the music business? Oof. <laughs> Ooh. So do, you mean, do you mean for us or do you mean for the industry as a whole? Uh, well, let's start with you and then the industry as a whole. Because you guys seem to be, you did react positively to COVID by creating and uh, keeping busy. So what do you feel the band's outlook or where do you see it going from here? Well, I mean, I think we've got a bunch of ideas in the works for more online content while we can't be doing, you know, proper live shows and that sort of thing. I think as, as lockdown eases up a little bit for us in the UK, the next thing will be probably little acoustic shows and that sort of thing before we are able to play proper big, big squishy, sweaty live venues. Um, yeah, amazing. And so I think that's kind of where our focus is going to be initially. What do you think, Al? Yeah, yeah, uh, Jonah's definitely right. Like right now we're trying to keep people uh, entertained. Uh, we are playing our covers and at the same time we're uh, writing a bunch of songs to have ready by the time we're allowed to go into the studio. Uh, and then afterwards, just uh, try to get as many gigs as possible, get a word around that uh, we are, we've got some new music, uh, go into the studio, record, and then just try to, to play all over the UK as soon as we can. I think that's that's the main yeah. plan. Left off, so to speak. <laughs> So you're gonna uh, go back where you were before and start to get your sound out throughout the UK. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but but it will be probably stronger uh, than we would have been before, simply for the fact that we've yeah. grown our following online um, and gotten a lot more exposure in that way. And then also, we've just I think doing these covers has actually made us much better musicians. It's been yeah, I, I mean, speaking for myself, I feel like I've improved loads from doing the covers and I'm much more comfortable with what I can and can't do um, from doing the covers. So that's been really nice as well. It's just kind of, I think, shown us the boundaries of what we can do and what we can push and, and that sort of thing as well. So it's what we're, we're going to be coming out of this stronger musicians, bringing better content, better songs, all that sort of stuff to, to an audience. So I'm in it. In a way, I'm almost kind of glad that this has happened. It's probably gone a bit longer than I would have liked, but I think some good things have come out of the lockdown as well. Well, it's nice to hear that. Nice to hear that. But always, every challenge has its diamond. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Silver linings, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's too that's too simple, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't want. Anyway, I'm only joking. Uh, so in terms, of, in terms of the industry, okay, I'll, I'll give you a question. Um, do you feel that uh, a lot of musicians or artists, bands, uh, 
may decide not to pursue a career in music because of the pandemic and the issues? I think that's very possible. I think that's really possible. Um, I think quite a few bands that would have otherwise continued might have fallen by the wayside and we'll see on the other side of lockdown that they're just no longer even a band and no one's told anyone yet. I know, I know a couple of my friends who wanted to get into the music industry from a business perspective have actually uh, looked the other way now and started looking for other industries to work in because they've seen how fragile it is uh, as an industry, something like a pandemic can bring it to its knees. Um, you know, is that the safest route for a person to be pursuing? So I think you know, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, Sorry to be a bit pessimistic, but I think that is the case for some, at least. Yeah, but on a positive. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say what I think will happen though is that you know the the talent will float to the top, basically. So if if you if you quit while the going gets tough, then obviously it's not meant to be. But people that put their head down and really push through, I think, will be rewarded eventually. I hope so. Yeah, yeah it's, definitely. It's all about working hard and having fun in the process, I think. I feel that a lot of bands, such as yourself, um, have used this positively, like you guys have, uh, writing better music, uh, getting uh, their skills up, and there could very well be an incredible explosion uh, of music. Oh. Fingers crossed for a renaissance. That'd be great, Hopefully, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would definitely be. Yeah, definitely be. Well, I know I'm going to be down for going to a lot of live gigs when yeah. it opens up. Yeah, it's been too long, too long. That's, that's so great to hear for us as well, because I think we we sit in our little bubble sometimes and we get you know locked in our studio just writing music and stuff, and we sit there going, does anyone ever actually want to hear this? And we forget that. <laughs> You know, the audience is missing live shows just as much as we're missing playing them. Oh, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I'm not one to go to the movies like or um, stuff. I go to, I, since I was younger, yeah, I saved up my money to go to a rock concert, to go to a festival. Like, uh, to me, that's fun. <laughs> Sitting in a movie theater and staring full front for whatever the amount of time it doesn't. It's not fun to me. I like being in a in a in a, in a crowd and make friends instantly with the people with you, just simply because you love the same band. And uh, nothing beats nothing beats live gigs. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing compares to being sweaty mm-hmm. next to so many other people listening to the same yeah. song that means so much to you. Yeah. So you talked about, uh, you've written a lot, and you sort of mentioned about a new release coming out. Do you know the date that it might come out, or the roundabout date? The the date uh, right now is a bit of a mystery for for the audience and for us as well. It's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> always good to leave uh, a show I with could... a bit of mystery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think people can expect some music in the next couple of months, I would say, depending how um, able uh, and how open the country is to for us to uh, start like making music videos and like all that. Uh, because 
since we have a new release, we want to make it the best way possible. We want to have a music video for it. We want to like be playing for it, uh, and hopefully also make it a little bit closer to when people can go to live gigs again, just to keep people interested. But definitely, we'll have yeah. some new music coming soon in the next couple of months. Um, so we're really excited for that one. Well. I look forward to hearing it. You just can't tell anyone. Definitely, <laughs> we can send it to you. <laughs> we just gonna, we just gonna definitely <laughs> send it to me. You want to consider me being my friend? You better send me your releases. <laughs> I love the band. I love the band. Definitely. No, I'd love to hear it. I love to hear it. Uh, so, what social media channel are you more active in, or would you prefer uh, to? have your fans go to a website or Twitter? Oh. Like, Where's the best place to get you active? I see your Facebook's very active. Uh, thank you. Um, I think that if people, depends what people want to see. Uh, if people want to see most of us like playing music and doing our covers right now, but also listen to, to our previous singles, they can go on our YouTube channel. That would be very helpful. And if they want to see a bit of like everyday life, what we've been going behind the scenes and all the stuff, they can uh, go on our Instagram, which is at Mongrel Ducks. Okay, great. Great. Instagram's becoming very popular, especially in the music industry. Like, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's getting more of the go to. Like, even uh, uh, top stars, Legacy Stars, they're doing their first shout out on Instagram, like even Elton John. You know, it's, yeah. it's becoming the go-to for the music industry, which is cool because it's visual. You can share yep. uh, videos. Like it, it's a pretty great platform. Yeah. I think IGTV and Reels and stuff has definitely helped. Yeah. That. It's given it a platform, video platform, to something that used to just be, like, static. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely it's good. And it seems like a closer-knit community than some of the other platforms, too. Yeah, we've met mm. a lot of really nice people through Instagram, and uh, we've always received very nice comments from people that listen to to the covers of the week and all that. Uh, we always get a lot yeah. of love from uh, our Instagram profile, which is really nice. Oh, cool, cool. Well, it's been really enjoyable having you two on the show. Uh, thank you, Alvera and Jonathan of the Mongo Dogs. Thank you, Jay. Thank you, yeah, thank you for showing. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you all for tuning in to the Buzzer Podcast Network. Season two begins soon. The Buzzer Podcast will wind down season one of both programs. The top episodes of season one will start airing September the 6th. These are the season one shows with leading fan engagement, subscribes, and download count. The gratitude I have for the remarkable artists who share their music on the Buzzer Network is over the moon. To our loyal listeners, thank you for tuning in and being a powerful part of our achievement. Because of you, the Buzzer Podcast is top 10% of the most popular shows out of over 2.6 million podcasts ranked by Listen Score. Follow us on Instagram at The Buzzer Media and on Twitter at The Buzzer Indie. Subscribe, please, at TheBuzzerPod.com. Without you, none of what we do is possible. Listen in and remember, without music, our campus is blank. On-air indie, from iPad to yours, over the airways. 
Until next time, cheers, y'all.